you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, today is week five of our series, Truth Be Told. And this is really a series on the parables that Jesus uh, spoke of in the Bible. What's so interesting is one of our girls in our light group, I think she's uh, also in our uh, going with our series, she mentioned that uh, what a parable is, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Very appropriate. Isn't it great? It is earthly so that we can associate with it and we can identify with it. But yet the meaning behind it is always heavenly so that the characteristic of the kingdom of God can be revealed to us and the character of God can be revealed. Amen? So that's where we are today, week five. So why don't we just go ahead and jump in to Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. So this is where it begins. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Take note of this question because really this is the question that triggered that parable. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about the parable of the what? The Good Samaritan. Yes, everybody was here listening. And it was triggered by the question of the lawyer saying, who is my neighbor? Well, this week, it's this question from Peter. See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, and this is Jesus' answer, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, for Jesus' sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. That That conversation could have been over right there. But yet, it went on to a parable. Why? Because Jesus wanted to reinforce something. So let's go back to that question. Can you go back to chapter, uh, verse 27? It says, what then? See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? I believe this is a question that is relevant to everybody. If you're here in the church, this is so relevant to you. If you're a believer, perhaps one time... Or the other, you have come across the same question. You have asked God the same question. Lord, if I follow you, if I go to the nation, if I go to the campus, if I go to my neighbor, if I go to my co-worker, if I abandon my vocation for you, if I abandon, if I abandon my relationship for you, my family relationship, and likewise, other relationship, what will I have? And if you're somebody who's visiting us, you could probably be wondering the same thing. What is this about Jesus that they're talking about? Will I really have something in return? Can I really trust them, this church, life in the sun, that I will get something in return if I trust Jesus? See, believer, non-believer, and, and then you go back to the believer. It's, it's still a question that goes on every year as you grow in Christ. You, you could be a believer for 25 years. Like we, for those of us who just celebrated 25 years of life in the sun, who's been here from the beginning, Correct. Or you could be a believer longer than 25 years, and you're still asking the same question. What will I have? Or therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus answered it, but for some reason, it seems like Peter was not convinced that he 
gave a parable. All right, so keep your mind on that question. So what was it that the parable, or what was it that Jesus wanted to reveal to Peter so that he can reinforce that Peter, uh, go back to uh, 29, please. You shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. So Jesus, when he told the parable, he really wanted to reinforce this, that you can trust me, Peter. So let's just go ahead and let's read the parable. So this week, we're going on the parable of the worker or workers. So Matthew chapter 20, 1 to 16 is the text. Uh, 16 verses, uh, quite, uh, quite long. So just uh, read with me if you want, or you can listen to my beautiful voice. Okay. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the market, marketplace. For those of you that cannot see on this side, uh, continue, please. And said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, he also, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when everything had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they have received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These land last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go away, or go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. Let's just pray. Father, I pray that you would open our, our spiritual eyes and our spiritual mind and our hearts just to, to see and to receive what it is that you have for us individually as a, as a church. That uh, may you open up, Father, the revelations that you have in this parable. And Father, thank you for using me to just deliver a message for the church. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the obvious things you might have uh, noticed about that is that the ones that were hired in the beginning of the day and the ones that were hired at the end of the day who worked for one hour, they were both paid the same wage. Now let's get this out before we go to the real point. Let's get this out of the way. If you are a businessman, I don't think <laughs> you would do that, correct? 
Okay, nobody's answering. Last week, Pastor Mark, the parable that Pastor Mark um, uh, delivered ended with the word, go and do likewise. Aren't you glad they didn't say that here? For those of you who are, who have, who are employers uh, paying your employees, I don't believe I have not met so far any right-minded employer who would pay their worker who only work one hour and pay them a full day's wage. Okay? Thank goodness that this is not a business pattern. All right? Just to get that out of the way, you might be thinking, oh my goodness, it's written in the Bible, I should do it. No. Okay? This is not a, a business, uh, what do you call that? A, bis- a model for a, uh, for a successful business practice. Correct? Amen. I can see somebody nodding. Yes, that's correct. If you want a, a model for a business practice, you go to the life of Joseph. That is the man who has wisdom to run a business. Amen. So having that out of the way, <laughs> okay, I don't want you coming out today and said, oh man, I need to pay my worker who worked for one hour a whole day because the Bible said go do likewise. No, it didn't say go do, and, and do likewise. So if that's not the point of this uh, parable, what is? It is also not about salvation, because nobody works for your salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 verse 9. If, uh, if you know that, it says, For it is by the grace of God that we are saved. Okay? Not of works. So that nobody can boast. It is not of rewards either. Because according to the book of Corinthians, each one will be rewarded according to what God has called him to do. So what is this parable all about? Well, it's really about who the hearer was. And for this particular uh, parable, the one hearing the parable is really the disciples. And more particularly, it is really Peter. I believe it was really an answer that Jesus gave or a parable, a story that Jesus told to Peter and the disciples. Because there was something going on in Peter's heart that needed to be either corrected or encouraged. Because his question is, what will I have? Lord, I abandon uh, Peter was a fisherman when Peter was one of the very first disciple that Jesus called. When Jesus called Peter, Peter uh, literally dropped his boat, dropped his net, dropped his GoPro. So that whatever he catch, he could post it on uh, Instagram and Facebook. He dropped all of that and just followed Jesus. So all of that, now he's coming back to a question, what will I have, Lord? If the, uh, because the, the story before this is really the uh, rich young man. It's like, if the rich young man has a difficulty coming to heaven, what about me? So this is really, the point of this parable really is, it is the motivation or the motives on why we're serving Christ. It is the service for Christ. Now, having said that, it's what we do after salvation. On week two, Pastor Mark uh, reminded us, what we do... For Christ is not a prerequisite for our salvation. Okay? It is not, we're not trying to please God so that we can be saved. It is never prerequisite. It is a result of our salvation that we do works or we do the things for Christ. It's not a, it's not a root. It is a fruit of salvation. So having said all of that and getting them out of the way so, so that our business people will remain in our church, let's go, ahead. <laughs> let's go ahead and jump to our first point. <laughs> Let me just drink water. Isn't that scary? I can imagine if you're a businessman and you come across this story, wow. It's like, 
and you're one of those that say, I follow everything that the Bible says. Here, here's one, follow it. <laughs> okay, kidding aside, let's go to the first point. So the whole story, my first point is this. Jesus was telling Peter that you can trust me, Peter, because point one, because I, I'm just saying I, God is generous to all. Okay, that's really the very first point here. God is generous to all. The first hour laborer, the first hour, the first laborer that uh, the, the landowner got, all the way to the last one, they were all paid the same. They were paid a denarius. Now, what is a denarius? Today, a denarius will not make sense. But in their day, a denarius is really a very good pay for one day's work. Very good. Today, we make a minimum wage of what? 825. So if you think about it this way, if you were uh, the laborers that, the, that this parable is talking about are seasonal workers because they were going out to the vineyards. So what the landowner needs are basically non-skilled worker. So they would go to uh, perhaps a certain place where all the laborers would uh, clump up and wait for work. They would, get, uh, they would gather them, I need, I, I need five workers, and they would all come. Their work orientation is this quick. This is a knife. When you go get the grapes, you pick it this way, cut it, put it in a bag, and move on to the next bundle. Two-minute orientation for work. Their work didn't require them to go to UOG or GCC. None of that. It was a non-skilled work. So therefore, because it is a non-skilled work, it is typical that they paid very low for a non-skilled work. And I, I know this because I am actually a skilled worker. Okay, I get paid $100 per hour minimum. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to bring my shirt. It's just a funny meme. It says, welder's hourly rate. $100 minimum. If you help, 150 If you touch it first, $200. If you tell me what to do, $250. So that means don't tell me what to do when I'm doing my job, okay? That's just a, it's just a funny meme, okay? But typically for laborers, that's how it is, okay? They don't like you telling what, they don't want you to, uh, to they don't want you telling them what to do. So a non-skilled laborer is typically the one that gets paid the lowest. But a denarius during that day is really a payment for a soldier, which means, if you look at it from an economic uh, viewpoint, a soldier is quite like a middle income already. A, uh, a non-skilled work, is, is, if you're looking at it from today's perspective, is usually a minimum wage. A skilled worker, you're probably looking at in the 20 to $30 per hour. So these laborers went to the landowners and negotiated a salary the, the, I guess we can say, if you pay me $25 an hour, I will work for you one day. So the landowner said, okay, let's go. That was the first. So you cannot say that the first, the first hour laborer and the, uh, the first hour laborer didn't get a good deal because the last hour laborer were paid the same. No, from the very beginning, the landowner was very generous. So it's like you, I don't know if you would do this. Say, for example, you need some uh, work done around your house. You need some water blasting, some cutting the, uh, to cut down some trees that has overgrown from your neighbor and they wouldn't cut it down. 
So you hire somebody, a non-skilled laborer. You give them a tool, a machete. Here's a machete. You know how to use this? You swing it like this. Okay? That's your orientation. Can you clear all of that? Can you imagine if that laborer asks, okay, I'll do it. If you pay me $25 an hour, that's $200 a day. You'll probably go, what? Are you kidding me? I can do this myself, but I just don't want to. <laughs> Correct? Would you really pay somebody to cut around your, 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 your yard $200 when you yourself can do it? You're just lazy to do it? Probably you would. But that's the point. So from the very first worker, the landowner was already generous. He was giving them a very good pay, a denarius a day. But of course, when the payment started coming out, that's when they felt like, hey, we deserve much more. But that's really the first point of the story, that God, in this parable, was generous to all of them. From the very first worker all the way to the last, he was as generous as generous can be. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So point number two. Then point number two, as we have read, this is what you can see. That God's grace and generosity is undeserving. What do you mean by undeserving? Well, it means that we don't deserve it. How? Oh. <laughs> it means, going back to the story, the fact that there were really a non-skilled laborer, there were also seasonal labor, uh, laborers, they do not have a permanent job. Ever been in a place like that where you do not have a permanent job, you're just uh, living day by day, that hoping that you can get employed the next day? That's, how, that's their situation as laborers. So for them to be hired and then given a very nice pay for their skill set, for what they are, it really is. It's, uh, uh, I believe today nobody in their right mind would actually, like what, the example that I use, nobody would really pay $200 to somebody who, where you really just want to, uh, a little bit of cutting around your yard. Amen? In the book, um, I was reading a book by Gordon Lee. It's a how to read or uh, reading your Bible for all its worth. He made a very good observation regarding this parable. He said that in this very parable, Jesus says that pay is not predicated on what is fair. As we can see, in our natural mind, it seems like the first, the first hour laborer should have gotten more than the last hour. But the, the author of that book, uh, reading the Bible for, for all its worth, he says, pay in the kingdom, in this parable exactly, is not based upon what is fair. It is actually based on something much better. It was based upon the grace of God. It was God's choosing to give to the people. It was God's choosing to give a denario, a denarius for the, those who work uh, the very first hour and the same for those who work the very last hour. Now, one thing that, you, that we might miss is that, because I, I struggle trying to figure it out. I said, Lord, but it, for me, in my natural mind, it still doesn't seem right. But yet you said twice, Go on the third hour, on the sixth hour, on the ninth hour, and on the eleventh hour, he said, Go to the vineyard and I will give you what is right. Repeatedly, he said, Go to the vineyard, I'm hiring you, go to the vineyard, and I will give you what is right. 
But then when I look at it in the natural eyes, I still cannot, I, I still can't, I cannot comprehend until I realize that the very first hour that he got, it says there, and they agreed with him a denarius a day. Where he's, when they started reasoning, it's not fair. He said, do I not have the right to dispense my own money? Do I not have the right? Is it unlawful for me to give according to what I want? It's when I realized that it wasn't really the landowner who initiated the negotiation. It was the laborer. It was the laborer. Uh, I was telling my wife this. You know, that's almost like they actually took advantage of the landowner when they agreed or when they negotiated with the landowner. Give us a very good wage because you need us more than we need you. Look, the grapes in the season of harvest needs to be picked rather quickly. Okay, they have a very, uh, they have a very uh, what do you call this? Uh, small window of uh, time to harvest. And that's why he gets as many as he can so that they can get it done. That's when I realized it's really not the landowner who initiated the negotiation, but it was really the laborers of the first hour who started that negotiation. See, if you're looking at it from a, a skill work, uh, skill, uh, skill work uh, perspective, I'm a skill worker like what I said. Usually the first people that we want to work around with are those that we know that can really work. So down the line, we'll pick, no, I'll get so-and-so. No, I, no, I don't want him. Can, you, can I just get so-and-so? Let him be my helper. Why do we do that? Because we know the first, our first choice is always the one we know that is capable the one that we know that can work hard, and usually the one that gets left behind are the ones that we don't really want to work with because either we can't stand them or they're just too slow for, at least for our own perspective, okay, now, whenever the crunch time happens. So, so if you're looking at it from the workers, that's how it was. They believe, the first hour worker believed that they deserve so much because they were the, though they're called non-skilled worker, they've probably been doing it a quite long that they believe that they deserve that much because we can do the job rather quickly. And that is common, especially in the agricultural business. In my hometown in the Philippines, uh, our economy is agriculture. When the season for planting comes, you get workers just like that. You just, uh, my, my brother who uh, runs a rice field will just call somebody and he would call his people and they would come on the day that they're, they're going to plant the rice. So during planting season, they're planting rice. But during harvest season, they're harvesting. So they're, they have two skill sets. So that's, that's what it was for this um, these, uh, laborer. They felt like they deserved it. But as you can see at the end, Nobody can really deserve what God would give to you. If we would really look at it, and God, and we would really be, uh, we would be honest with ourselves. Nothing that God gives to us as a form of a blessing, as a form of generosity, as a form of favor, it is really nothing that we deserve. Before we can even come up uh, towards grace and generosity, we must first come face to face with justice of God. Because, and when we face the justice of God, we will know that what we deserve is not what we want to receive. But what these guys receive is something much more better. They really receive something that could supply them for the day. Being a day-by-day laborer, their needs were met by one denarius. Amen? 
So that's what, that, that, that I believe was point number two in that, um, that Jesus was trying to tell Peter. Look, Peter, I know you've followed me. You've abandoned everything. But remember, Peter, I am gracious to all. Remember, Peter, uh, who was it that, put, that pulled Jesus aside when Jesus said that I'm about to die, about to go? Who was it? Who was the disciple that pulled him aside and lectured Jesus? You know, Jesus, this plan is not going to work for us. It was Peter. Who was, it, who was the disciple that uh, told uh, Jesus that if all these guys abandon you, I will never abandon you? It was Peter. Who was it that walked in water? Who was it that cut the ear of the servant when they were about to, uh, who was about to uh, arrest Jesus? And who was it that denied Jesus three times? It was Peter. Peter had this attitude that, look, I've been the leader of this group of uh, fishermen. I believe I deserve much more. Remember, Jesus, I, to- uh, I told you, I, if everybody else abandons you, I will never abandon you. Then Jesus said, At, uh, by this time tomorrow, before the rooster crow, you have denied me three times. And, and Peter did. And that really caused him to almost hide from Jesus. But what did Jesus do? Restored Peter. So if you're looking at it from there, did Peter really deserve to be the leader? No. No. So I hope that makes sense. Okay? None of us, if we were to come and say, Lord, I deserve your favor. I deserve your grace. I deserve your generosity because I can earn it. I can work for it. None of us can really stand in the presence of God and say that. Amen? So the point number two. Now let's move to point number three. God is gracious, so we shouldn't begrudge God's generosity. So what was going on in Peter's heart? So I kind of showed you that there's something in Peter. There's, um, there's an event or that happened in uh, Peter's life after he was restored. After he denied Jesus three times, Jesus privately restored him. And then when they were walking, uh, trying to, uh, I guess, pacify Peter, Peter looked back and looked at John, John the Beloved, another disciple, and asked Jesus, what about him, Jesus? And Jesus has to answer Peter and said, what is it to you, Peter? What is it to you? See, a lot of times, and that's why I asked this question beforehand, what, have, what about us? What about us who are believers for 30 years, 20 years? And we look around and we see other believers. Lord, I've been single for 20 years and I'm still single. <laughs> when am I going to get married? Okay, Lord, I've been here. I've been asking for this healing for five years. But yet here's a guy that came to church two weeks ago and he got his healing. Lord, I've been waiting for my promotion. I see that guy up there all the time testify that he got this much, this much, this much. When am I going to get mine? Lord, he got his house. When am I going to get his house? Mr. So-and-so here got two BMW. What about me, Lord? You know who that is? I won't tell you. No, that's, uh, I don't want you to begrudge God's generosity toward another, bro- towards another brother, okay? So I won't tell you. But it is so relevant to us that when we see the generosity of God towards other, that we'll begin to question God and say, God, what about me? And it was the same for Peter. Peter looked at John really to a- and asked Jesus, what about him, Jesus? And Jesus said, what is it to you, Peter, if he stays and be alive until I come back again. 
And that really tells you a heart about Peter. And it's not just Peter. I believe it is also in our heart. If we really do a check in our heart, we will see this in our own heart. I mean, I say this jokingly, but deep inside I have my own question. What about him, Lord? What about so-and-so, Lord? I mean, you go to work. <laughs> Speaking of skilled laborer, you go to my work, and I go, man, this guy is getting paid the same as I am, and look what he's doing. It's so like, see? You can, you can, it's so easy to, be, to, be, uh, to begrudge God's generosity when you see it towards other people and you yourself is not experiencing it. And I believe that was something that Jesus was trying to get through to Peter. Look, Peter, keep your eyes on me. Focus. Remember how uh, Sandra, uh, Sandra, Sarah, Sarah in the beginning said, focus. Then Miss Terry came up and read to us Ephesians. You know, when we do that, when we look at other, other believers and other people and we see the generosity of God and we look at ourselves, you know what's happening sometimes? We missed out on some of the best blessings that God has for us because we cannot focus on Him and we keep focusing on other people. That verse that Pastor Terry just uh, read to us before, before the start of the service, it says all the spiritual blessings in Christ is upon us. There's actually seven in that uh, scripture. Seven spiritual blessings, I believe so. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there are seven in, in that scripture alone. So uh, if you can uh, look for it and find it on your own time. And it's so, it's so beautiful and it's just so, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know how to express it. it. It's just so, I guess it's just so awesome just to know that all that blessing is for us, but yet sometimes we still get our eyes distracted and focus on other people. And by focusing on other people, we become, uh, we look at God and say, God, why is he? And you know what else is interesting about this uh, parable? This parable is really no different from the parable of the prodigal son. In the prodigal son, uh, Pastor Lawrence did this the first week. Remember the two brothers? Uh, courtesy of my life group leader. If you didn't notice, when the, when the younger brother asked for his inheritance, the father divided the inheritance between the two brothers. Between the two brothers. It wasn't only on the younger brother. It was between the two brothers. Jewish tradition has it that the older brother get two-thirds of the inheritance. One-third for the, the younger ones. But then when his younger brother returned, what was his, uh, what his, his begrudgment? Father, I have worked for you all my life, and you didn't even allow me to kill a goat for my friends. That was his begrudgment against God. But yet, he already got two-thirds of, in, of his inheritance, and he's still living in his father's house. That's really how generous God was to the older brother. But yet, because he was so out of focus, that he still looked at the generosity of his father towards his younger brother, and he still had a begrudgment against his father. See, he had his inheritance, and he had all the property that his father still have, but yet his cry is, my brother wasted that, and yet you, you celebrate with him. Uh, I know that's not the parable what we're talking about since I'm there. When that younger brother returned, remember, he had no more inheritance. So what he received was not from the other brother, but what he received was already the father's share. Did you guys, did you guys see that on that parable? That's how generous your father in heaven is. 
And of course, these are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Earthly so that we can identify with it, and heavenly so that we can see the character of our God. So did you just see how good your God is? Did you see how generous he is? Did you see how amazing his grace is towards us, though we do not deserve it? He still gives it to us. Um, as scripture tells us that God, come back, come back, <laughs> supplies us according to the glorious riches of Christ in Christ Jesus. He supplies us with our need, not according to our need. See, perhaps that one hour worker needed a whole denarius for his family. That's why it was given to him according to his need. But yet, or according to his need, according to the grace of God. God supplies us according to his glorious riches, not according to our need. Amen? So just like uh, Jesus, why did he have to go and, and say this uh, parable? In closing, I want to close with this verse. Are you encouraged to hear that that's how good our God is? In closing, please, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. So if you're still thinking, but Lord, I have given so much for you. Is it really true? If you still don't believe, here's one more verse to end with. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do ministry. Amen? God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. He will not forget that, church. If you're here today, and, and just how I, I began this message and saying, that question that Peter asked really applies to all of us, and it's relevant to, relevant to all of us. If you're here and probably you're looking, you're here and you're, you're I, I, I like to, to say you're checking out the church because you're checking for a family of church or you're really trying to see what do these people believe? What is life in the sun all about? Well, you, you probably hear us say, honor God, make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. But I believe in, in your heart of hearts, what you're really looking for is a relationship with God. But yet, some, it could be that this very question is what's hindering you from coming into that relationship with God. And if that's you, I hope that you are convinced that just like Peter, who, are already, who was already a follower of Christ, still asked the question to his master, What shall I have since I have abandoned everything? I have left everything. If you're not convinced of that hundredfold of return, my personal life is a personal testimony. My wife and I were talking this morning and saying, what would our life be if we were not believers? And I think the only conclusion we came up with is that it'll probably be hard, terrible, may not be perfect at all. I mean, uh, even our Christian life is not perfect, but outside of, the Christian, outside of a Christian life, it might be worse. I think that was the only conclusion that we can have. And I really am grateful to be, to be here, to be a believer. And uh, a hundredfold, probably I have not reached that. <laughs> but I can confidently say I have seen the blessing of God in my own life. And I can smile. I don't have the two BMWs like that other brother. <laughs> That's just a joke, okay? <laughs> But anyway, being serious, if that's you today and you, you really are searching, you really are questioning just like Peter, I want to give you an opportunity just to, to begin this relationship. 
It is as simple as praying a prayer. Simple for us, very costly for our God, very costly for Jesus. It cost him his entire life. So if everybody can just bow their heads before we close and before I give, uh, give it to the music team. If you are here today and you want to start this relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity just to pray for you. So if that's you, I can do that. If you, I can just identify you. If you can just raise your hand if that's you and I will pray with you. I see that hand over there. Anybody else? You've been wondering what it is to have a relationship. If not, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your parables, Father. Thank you that you have given us an interpretation of it. And Father, I just uh, even pray with that, with that person that raised his hand. The Lord. In his acknowledgement of being a sinner, in his acknowledgement of receiving you as his Lord and Savior, Father, bring him in, Father. Allow your work and allow your word to be evident in his life. And Lord, thank you that you are generous to all of us, whether we're believers or non-believers, Jewish or non-Jewish, been in the fold long or been here for, a, for only a season. So Father, thank you. In Jesus' name.